Whether wild or domestic, animals bring lots of joy to many people. But what happens when folks adopt the evolutionary idea of ascribing human emotions and characteristics to animals? Stay tuned. The danger of anthropomorphism is giving animals more credit than God wants us to give them. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Anthropomorphism, or ascribing human emotions and characteristics to non-human things such as animals, is a common thing. And most of us, whether we realize it or not, have been guilty of doing so. But what's the harm in it? Stay with us for the next 15 minutes as we talk about animal anthropomorphism and the dangers associated with it. We'll also discover why it's so easy to fall into the trap of believing that animals think and feel the way we do. ICR Museum of Earth History Curator Cindy Carlson holds degrees in zoology and biology. She says there's nothing wrong with being affectionate towards animals, but a line has to be drawn in the way we think about them. On the one hand, anthropomorphism can be harmless, just a projection of human feelings and behavior on our pets or wild animals. And, of course, we all appreciate the companionship and antics of our pets, and we lavish our love on them. However, if anthropomorphism goes too far, that is, a person accepts as truth that animals feel and think as humans do, some very strange decisions begin to be made about our treatment of animals. Dan Breeding is a professional wild animal trainer and founder of the educational ministry Creatures of Creation in North Carolina. He says believing that animals think as we think and feel as we feel results in an improper perspective of God's creation. Well, the danger of anthropomorphism is giving animals more credit than they deserve or that God wants us to give them. You know, God gave us dominion over the animals. Um, That's verse 26 in chapter 1 of Genesis He gave us dominion over the animals to rule over all of creation. And when you start to become anthropomorphic and look at these animals in a human characteristic kind of way, you give them more credit than we're supposed to. And that's where you come into the animal rights realm, the animal rights sector, where they're pushing for human rights for apes. When you start to do that, then you're kicking the door open to compromising everywhere because you start there with apes, then it goes to the monkeys, then it goes to prosimians, then it goes to bears and tigers and elephants and all that. And then you're even worshipping the creation more so than you were before because right now you can look at our society today, our culture and the world around that we're worshiping the creation more and more and not the creator. And that is a very dangerous area. Cindy Carlson says evolution is the reason some people exalt animals to the level of or even above the level of human beings. This is because they accept the evolutionary idea that humans are just advanced animals with only a little bit of difference between them and their animal pet. As one animal activist, Jerry Mason, says, Animals deserve the same concerns that we have for people, especially when it comes to defining what is good for them. So, he goes on to say, Humans do not like to be confined 
so we should not confine animals, such as in corrals or zoos. Humans would not like to be killed and eaten, so we should not kill and eat animals. This is the ultimate anthropomorphism to think that animals must be given the same rights as human beings. But because animals are not human and cannot think as we do, God gave people the mandate to care for them and to have control of them. Anthropomorphism gives us a wrong idea about animals and will cause us to be mistaken about their real needs. We will answer to God for our stewardship of the earth, including the animals. However, that stewardship does include killing and eating animals, keeping animals confined, and having controlled hunting to maintain population control in national forests. This is all part of the rulership that God has given to man over the earth. So then, anthropomorphism can be seen as harmful to both humans and animals. Stan Rawlinson, a dog behaviorist, sees anthropomorphism as very detrimental to humans' relationship with his dog. When someone says to him, my dog thinks it's human, his answer is always, no, it doesn't. It thinks you're a dog. He says, it is vital to keep in mind that they do not have the capacity to comprehend the complex thought processes that bring us to understand human emotions, language, and behavior. He says anthropomorphism is like explaining that a vine climbs the tree to get a better view. It is an unrealistic view of life. In Dan Breeding's line of work, he oftentimes must deal with people being anthropomorphic. He says many people just don't understand the seriousness of this evolutionary concept. When I work um, the animals and the creatures of creation ministry, I more times than not have people approaching me, oh, I want one of those as a pet, and they're so cute, and they're so smart, and they associate those human behaviors and emotions to the animals, and they don't even realize what they're doing. And really, it's because we're so indoctrinated with the idea that we're animals through the public school system, through biology courses and the indoctrination of evolution. We've been um, brainwashed to think that we're just another type of animal. But if you've ever been unwittingly guilty of anthropomorphism, Dan Breeding says you're in good company. Anthropomorphism is a tough battle because we all do it. I even do it. And I deal with animals every day for the last 20 years of my life. I look at my dog, oh, Mickey's sad, because we, we, you know, we were away all day. And that's hard to do. We know that evolution is the bottom line in anthropomorphic behavior. But are there other reasons why we as humans are so tempted to equate the way we think and feel to the way animals respond to different situations? Dr. Tom Hoyle is Director of Bible and Science Ministries in Tacoma, Washington. He says the intelligence we observe in animals can be misleading. Many of our evolutionary friends try to ascribe various human attributes, especially intelligence, to various animals. And in that way, uh, an argument supposedly can be made that we must have evolved from animal-like creatures. Well, to me, this is a classic example of an error being truth taken to an extreme. There's good news, bad news here. The good news is there are many animals that show remarkable intelligence, and we think this is certainly an indication of their marvelous creation. The bad news is 
many of our evolutionary friends take this intelligence to an inscriptural and obviously unscientific extreme. There are several things that prompt us to view animals in an anthropomorphic way. One of them is the keen instinct that God created within them. Instinct, as many of our listeners may know, deals with the innate pre-programmed abilities that various creatures have, and they really are very, very wonderful abilities. For example, in the case of various insects like bees and termites, from the very time that they come into being, they know exactly what to do, when to do it, where to do it, how to do it, and nobody knows why unless, of course, you believe that they have an instinct pre-programmed in them by the Creator. Another way some people mistakenly relate animal antics to human behavior is the way that some animals have the ability to learn by observation. Songbirds, for example, can spend years listening to songbirds of their created kind. They'll spend years listening to them and learning their own unique songs. And, of course, again, we have to ask ourselves, where did the first songbirds get these songs in the first place? Various other creatures could be mentioned. For example, some of the great cats will pay close attention to their parents and learn how to hunt from them. And then there are some animals that learn by human training. In the case of chimpanzees, which naturally our evolutionary friends maintain that we came from some sort of common ancestor thereof, our evolutionary friends are very proud of the fact that chimpanzees have learned some very rudimentary sign language. Well, number one, of course, these chimpanzees did not invent the sign language. Humans did. And number two, the chimpanzees simply learn it from their human trainers. They are rewarded in a Pavlovian fashion for learning how to do this sign language. So although chimpanzees are remarkable creatures and show a remarkable learning capability, once again, we're talking about light years from uh, what human beings are capable of. Dan Breeding points out that the major difference between humans and animals is that we were created in the image of God and given the ability to design and create. There aren't any animals that are out there designing anything. And if we did evolve from them, you know, the animals would be working their way out of the jungle. And you don't see that happening. The chimpanzee's not reinventing the wheel. We're the designers because God created us in his own image according to his likeness. Uh, chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 26 and 27 specifically, we are designed and we have characteristics of God. Not that we're God, but he gave us the ability with that complex brain for one reason, to worship him, to have a personal relationship with him through prayer, through reading the word and through obedience, um, through having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Dr. Hoyle agrees. How many chimpanzees have ever written a symphony or conducted one or played in one? How many chimpanzees have ever designed or built a skyscraper? How many chimpanzees have ever designed or constructed or flown in a rocket ship to the moon? And, of course, theologically speaking, we would have to say how many chimpanzees have an eternal soul or were created in the image of God. So, uh, once again, we're talking about enormous degree of difference between any so-called controversial intelligence in chimpanzees related to any reasoning ability on their part. Speaking personally, the anthropomorphic argument for evolution it's a very interesting one, but once again, it's an argument taken to a bizarre extreme. To me, it's an example of an evolutionary argument that they just throw out there and hope that somebody believes it. It's 
commonly taught as a fact in our schools, usually at taxpayers' expense, and then it's up to creationists to have to come along and demonstrate the fallacy of this anthropomorphic argument. Dan Breeding says that people need to understand the plain and simple fact that animals are not people and that they cannot and do not think and feel as we do. People are so anthropomorphic when they talk about intelligence that they're just associating the human emotions and behaviors to the animals in a way that they're looking at the animals like they think like we do and they don't. They cannot tout that they're creating God's own image. They don't have a complex brain like we do. They don't have the cognitive reasoning that we do. They don't have the ability to design like we do. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.